This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. We're going to talk about positioning for volatility. Now, this isn't coming from one of y'all. This isn't an email that I received. Every once in a while, when we have these dramatic market moments, and for those wondering, this is September 13th, 2022, when I'm recording it. Now, it'll come out a few days later for you guys. But when we have these dramatic market events, they're very emotional experiences. They're very crazy. And so instead of acting like it didn't happen and recording another podcast episode, like I normally do, I want to focus on this big event because Not only is it good for you to hear about it right now and what my take is on it, but it's also good when we run into patches of volatility down the road, it's going to be helpful to hear, okay, let's go back in time to September 13th, 2022, when the market just really went haywire and the S&P 500 dropped like 175 points in one single trading session. What was it like then? What did Ryan have to say? What was some of his takes? You know, and, and for me, I'll even go back and listen because it's good for me to hear in the moment what was unfolding. I so badly wish I could go back into times like the European financial crisis in 2008 and just get some of my thoughts and what was going on and maybe even see the growth from that period onward because we're constantly learning, we're constantly adapting, we're constantly adjusting to the stock market. So I think it's really important try to capture the moments with this podcast. I mean, imagine if we could go back in time. Imagine if podcasting was a thing back in 1929 when the stock market crashed or when we had the fat finger crash back in May of 2010 or the 2008 Great Recession or the dot-com bubble. I mean, it would be a treasure trove of information. So when we get these big, big declines, I like to use it as an opportunity to capture the moment. So this is going to be podcast episode number 280. And we're going to title it Positioning for Volatility. Now, before I get into it, what am I drinking tonight? Guys, I got a really good bourbon. Some of you guys have heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, it's a special batch that comes out every year from Old Forester. It's called their birthday bourbon. This year, they gave it out to like 500 people or something like that. I don't know what the exact number was, but it was a raffle. And if you entered it, you more than likely lost. I lost. I didn't get it. But this one comes from 2019. Now, these bourbons, if you can get your hands on them, they go for some crazy prices. You know, they're up there like Pappy Van Winkle prices. I think right now you can spend upwards of like twelve dollars or $1,300 for a birthday bourbon. Now, would I ever pay for that? No. I had a friend that had some. Let me 
take some back with me so that I could try it. So I'm excited to do this. This is the Old Forester Birthday Bourbon from 2019. It's been aged 11 years, and it comes from a batch of 120 barrels. It's 52.5% alcohol. That makes it 105 proof. And I tell you, it looks really good to the eye. It almost looks like you're looking at a jar of honey. It's, I mean, really, it's, it's a fabulous-looking bourbon. Now, to the nose, it definitely jars your senses a little bit because it does come in pretty spicy, but there's some sense of cherry that you definitely pick up on. Now, to the taste, it comes across very sweet. Again, lots of cherry flavors, even to the taste as well. And while it's sweet, it gives you this like hard kick out of nowhere of heat and spice. It's like you're standing behind a horse, and it just kicks you right in the mouth. But like I said, sweet, nice cherry flavor. Scale of 0 to 10, I'm giving this an 8.6. Now, would I call this an everyday sipper or even a weekday sipper? Absolutely not. How about a weekend sipper? No, stuff's too expensive. This is like special occasion sipper. Like, hey, my daughter just got married or, hey, my kid just graduated from college or, hey, I'm a grandfather or a parent. That kind of a bourbon. Now, granted, I say that. And would I actually ever save a good bourbon for a special occasion? No, I'm opening up that bottle as soon as I get my hands on it. So Old Forester, scale of 1 to 10, given it 8.6. Really, really good. This is one that I would drive 50 to 100 miles to pick up a bottle for. Now, that raffle, you had to go all the way up to Kentucky and get it. I entered the raffle. Not really sure if I would actually go up to Kentucky to get it, though, because that would be a really long trip, and I'm not sure I want to drive that far for just a bottle of bourbon. But Old Forester Birthday Edition 2019, giving it an 8.6. Now, back to positioning yourself for volatility in the market. So we're dealing with one of the most volatile markets in recent history. This has surpassed what we saw in 2018, which was a three-month sell-off. This surpasses what we saw from the COVID sell-off back in March of 2020 when the whole economy was shutting down. I mean, those sell-offs happened, and they happened for like brief periods of time. 2008, like I said, two out of three months where the market finished lower. The COVID crisis, it was like a five-week sell-off, and then the market V-shaped bottom bounced like to infinity and beyond. But this one, it started at the very beginning of the year. Of 2022. And now we're sitting here in September, almost nine months into this calendar year, and it has yet to find its true bottom from what we can tell. Maybe the June lows is the bottom. We won't ever know that until hindsight. But for now, we're still very much in the mix of this bear market. Like I said, as of this day of this recording, S&P 500 finished down 177 points. The NASDAQ finished down 632 points. The Dow which I don't care too much about, finished almost 1,300 points down, almost 1,300 points. So very significant. We're talking 5.2% out of the NASDAQ and 4.3% out of the S&P 500. So very significant. We don't know where the bottom's at yet. And this was the worst day for the market since June of 2020. And so while it surpassed the sell-offs in 2018 and 2020, it's becoming more and more synonymous with 2008 and 2000, which were some of the biggest corrections or slash recessions in stock market history. Now, one of the things that makes this particular recession or correction, whatever you, I know a lot of people don't want to call it a recession. A lot of that has to do with political purposes, but hey, we got two back-to-back quarters of negative GDP growth, so I'm going to call it a recession. But one of the things that makes this recession stock market correction unique is the fact that you have such a heavy involvement out of retail. Now, in the past, 
much of retail's participation has been as a result of their 401ks, their IRAs, 403bs, their retirement accounts. Now you have a lot of active retail traders, a lot of them. And that's primarily due to the fact that nearly every brokerage went commissionless and it sucked in a lot of new participants. It essentially made the stock market like DraftKings or FanDuel were instead of putting Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Julio Jones or DK Metcalf or Derrick Henry on your fancy football team, you're putting Apple and Amazon on your dream financial team, I guess. That is kind of what the market has become for a lot of people. In some ways, it's become a gambling addiction. And a lot of these people that have come into the market since we've gone commissionless, by and large, don't really know what kind of forces that they're dealing with. They've been trained to buy the dip on every occasion. In fact, the day before this massive sell-off, there was over $4 billion of retail money flooding the queues. It was one of the largest inflows in months. And how do you think all those people are doing today? They're doing pretty crappy. They've lost all of those gains from the day before and much, much more. They haven't learned that you don't chase after every move. You see, a lot of retail, they see the stock market move and they think they have to participate in it every day. I used to be like that, in fact. But I've learned the more that I do, the worse off that I usually am. Less is more, especially in a bear market. And you got to realize you don't have to chase after every move. The last four days preceding this big market sell-off today, the market ran like 270 points up into the pre-market this morning off of the lows that were established last week. 270 points. Massive move for the S&P 500. And if the CPI report would have come in very favorable, who knows how higher it would have run. It would have just gone an absolute bonkers, borderline clown show. But the rumor mill was is that inflation is going to be coming down a lot. It's going to be very soft. It's going to be under eight. Everybody was buying into it. I actually felt very lonely for not getting into it and saying, hey, this market can't last. This rally cannot sustain itself. And sure enough, the CPI report came out and it was an instant 100-point reversal on the S&P 500. I'm talking about almost within seconds. It was that big of a correction. And who are the bag holders? Retail. Now, they're licking their wounds after today's trading session, hoping that we're going to get a big bounce tomorrow. And what's their basis for hoping for a bounce? Maybe that happens, but their whole basis for it is because they need it to happen. Market doesn't care about their needs. Market's going to sell off tomorrow if it wants to. And they'll still be holding that $4 billion that they threw into the market, except it's going to be at a much bigger discount. But by and large, a lot of the new traders that are in the market, and if you're listening and you're a new trader, I'm not attacking you personally. Maybe you are a very good trader, okay? And and I won't take that away from you. But by and large, most of your retail traders out there, especially the ones that came in after COVID and when we went commission-free, are reckless and undisciplined. And I don't know if they even knew this, but Wall Street was leveraged heavily to the short side coming into today. So while retail was piling in, Wall Street couldn't find the exits fast enough. So how do we trade a market like this? How do we position ourselves to be able to handle the volatility? Last four days for me were not fun. If it wasn't for the way that I positioned myself coming into this market bounce, I would have never survived. I would have gotten out probably at the highs yesterday. And I'm going to tell you a story about one particular person that did that. So this guy, he goes 100% long on SQQQ. For those who don't know what that is, that's a three to one inverse ETF of the NASDAQ 100. So if the NASDAQ goes up, 
1%, this SQQQ ETF gives you a 3% return. Very volatile, very high risk kind of stuff. I've traded it before, but in very limited circumstances do I trade it. It has to be a really, really good trade setup for me to take it. But this person went 100%. And we're talking about a lot of money that he put on the trade. Well, he was right on the initial breakdown on the NASDAQ, which benefited SQQQ. The NASDAQ 100 went way down off of the August highs, and then SQQQ subsequently rallied quite a bit. But then there was this four-day rally in the NASDAQ, a significant one, and SQQQ, as a result, was sold off. But because he was so heavily leveraged on SQQQ, now he wasn't in the margin, but it'd be like if he was 300% long PSQ, which is a one-to-one inverse ETF. That'd be a lot of volatility still, but because PSQ is a one-to-one inverse ETF, or if he was like short the Qs, 300%. It'd be very similar to SQQQ at 100%. Again, a lot of volatility here. If the NASDAQ rallies 3%, he's going to be down in his SQQQ position by 9%. That's the kind of volatility that you're dealing with. So this four-day rally, it was nothing short of spectacular. I mean, the NASDAQ rallied, I think, almost like a 1,000 points, if I remember correctly. But that hit his interest pretty good. And so what happened? He gets out the day before the CPI report. The CPI report, he's like, I can't take it. I can't deal with the volatility and the potential of being wrong. So he gets out right at the close the day before. CPI report comes out. The market tanks. He's like, oh, crap, I can't believe it did that to me. Well, in some ways, he did it to himself because he was so leveraged that he increased the emotions so much that he wasn't positioned correctly for the volatility. Now, I'm going to toot my horn a little bit here, but I kind of have to do it just to show the difference between how he approached the trade versus how I approached the trade. Now, as the market was selling off from the August highs, I was in SDS and I was in PSQ. Along the way, I was taking gains. Like, for instance, in SDS, I was taking profits of 5.4. I took another quarter off at 9%. I took another quarter off at 11%. Left me with a quarter position. Same thing with PSQ. I took profits of 4.36 and 2.2%, leaving me with quarter position. I positioned myself in such a way because I wanted to make sure that as the market was getting much more oversold, I thought there was still more to go, and I wasn't sure how far it would go before it would eventually bounce. I knew it was getting oversold, but... Even after the bounce, I thought it would eventually go much lower still, and I wanted to be able to hold through that bounce. Well, the four-day rally happened in the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Russell 2000, and the market as a whole. My SDS position, my PSQ position, I was only sitting on a quarter position in each of those. But because I had taken the profits along the way, I wasn't sitting on a full position, nor was I 100% long at any point in those positions. So when that bounce happened, I was positioned correctly for volatility to be able to withstand that bounce and trade the plan that the bounce wouldn't last. It would be a dead cap bounce and eventually push lower again, which it did. But I can tell you this, as a trader, no way would I have been able to do that if I was instead of in SDS, I was in SPXU, which is a three to one and 50% long in my entire portfolio of that. And then in PSQ, instead of being in PSQ, I was in SQQQ and 50% long in my portfolio there. That would be a lot of volatility. I would never never been able to do it. I would have gone out the day before just like he did. Does that make me a bad trader? No, it makes me a human being. So when I'm saying let's position ourselves correctly for volatility, let's guard ourselves against ourselves because ourselves will make the worst possible decisions because, again, what if the CPI report came in really low and the market did rally, let's say another 2 or 3% that day? Oh, it would have been a bad day for a person who's 100% long on SQQQ because the market would be rallying and that thing would be falling apart. 
It would have been a crappy day for me too, but I was only in a quarter position and that didn't even make up much of my portfolio because I had already taken so much of the profits along the way. What I was wanting to do is position myself to where when the market does turn lower again, I could not only have some positions already in play, but I could also add to them. And that's what I did. I added QID and I added SH. So I benefited from that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And you want to know what else that you can benefit from? By signing up for swingtradingthestockmarket.com. This is my companion website that goes along with this podcast. You're going to get all of my market research each and every day. That's going to include videos for the big tech stock updates, for the market updates. You're going to get trade idea videos. You're going to get daily watch lists and trade ideas. Really, really good stuff at swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Highly recommend you check that out. And in the process, you're supporting this podcast, which is awesome as well. So it's a win-win for all of us. So the big difference is the person who got out right before the CPI report came out took a loss on a major position. The person who profited off of the CPI report did so because he had a smaller position. He was better positioned for the volatility thereby being able to handle his own emotions much better. So a lot of times people think that, hey, you can't make big money unless you're trading big. That's completely false. In fact, most of the time, it results in big losses, not big wins. Because the bigger you're trading, the more of your portfolio you have allocated to one trade and this make-or-break mentality, the more likely you're going to lose because it's going to be your emotions that dictate it. The trade absolutely has to be perfect in most cases. In order for it to work, it has to work right out of the gate. There can't be any volatility. There can be any fluctuations. The more money you have, the more sensitive you are going to be to smaller moves. And you don't want to put yourself in that position to where you're highly affected emotionally by a small move. If you had a position that was 90% less, let's say you had a position that was 10% of your portfolio instead of 100% of your portfolio, and you have a 1% move against you, you're not going to react as emotionally to that move as you are when you're trading with a 100% position. And that's what I'm trying to get at here is that less is oftentimes more in the stock market. You've heard me say that before with trading frequency, but also with position sizes because big position sizes will oftentimes lead to us making really bad decisions in our portfolio because it's going to be emotionally driven, not based off of technical analysis or the charts or what you're reading from the overall market. That's one of the first things that I look at when I'm trying to figure out what's the problem in a person's trading besides are they even using stop losses after we can establish that they are, then I want to see what their position sizes are. If they're trading with big positions, then you're never going to follow your trading plan. You're never going to be disciplined because the emotions will overrule it. And I know a lot of people think that they can overcome their emotions. You can't, man. We're emotional creatures. We're going to feel the emotions when all of our money and all of our life savings are on the line or a large portion of it. So you have to find that happy medium that won't allow it to affect your judgment and that you can rely on technical analysis and your trading strategy rather than the emotions that are trying to trump it. And remember, too, in volatile times, expect some volatile moves. I mean, we get long on a trade thinking that it's going to go straight up to the moon. That's the popular saying, right? And even if it does end up going to the moon, man, it might come back down to the launch pad a couple of times before it ultimately gets there. So if you're short, yeah, expect bounces. Expect dead cat bounces. They're going to happen. 
It's important to take partial profits along the way, even more so in a bearish market because those dead cat bounces can be so intense. You have to set yourself up for counter moves. As the market was selling off from the August highs last month and into September, it got very obvious that even though we might not have been oversold on a weekly or a longer term basis, on a daily chart, and even on like a most intraday charts, we were getting very oversold. And so that a two to three day bounce was likely. And we even got a four day bounce out of it. So it was a very intense bounce. It went way more higher than I thought. I think at, right before the CPI report, it was 270 points off the lows for the S&P 500. That's crazy. Way more than I expected. I thought to myself, okay, if we bounce maybe like 100 points, that would be pretty doable. But if I was 100 plus percent long on a leveraged ETF, oh, I never would have made it through that. So I positioned myself for the volatility. And, and for everybody, that's going to be different. For me, it was getting my positions down to about 25% of my full position size. And I was able to withstand the volatility just fine. It's okay, too, to be aggressive on your profit taking. Maybe, you know, in a bear market, and especially true on a bear market, actually, is to be aggressive with the profit taking. If you want to get all in and then all out, taking 4 to 6% profits and risking 2 or 3% against you for a potential stop loss, that's a good trading strategy, guys, especially in a bear market. There was a time where I used to take profits all the time around between 4 to 6%. I wouldn't even blink an eye. But now, of course, my approach to shorting the market has changed quite a bit where I'll take aggressive partial profits and then I'll allow myself to be able to weather some of these bounces so that I can add more to my overall bearish exposure on the next leg lower. But everybody can have a different approach to how they do it. The big thing is, is that you're setting yourself up not to let your emotions dictate your actions and your trading. And in a bear market, it's very easy to do that. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review. Guys, we covered a lot here about positioning ourselves for volatility. Remember, if you find yourself in any of these camps that I've described, you know, as it pertains to just being undisciplined, as it pertains to volatility and to a bear market, don't hate yourself for it. Just realize that, you know, we have some natural tendencies as human beings to do some of the worst things possible to ourselves because fear and greed can grip us so heavily. So when we're positioning ourselves, yes, we're positioning ourselves for volatile markets, but in doing so, we're helping ourselves be able to manage ourselves even better. Now, make sure you guys keep sending me your emails. I will be getting back to those next week for episode 281 and 282. I plan on taking your emails, so keep sending them to me. I read them all, and I appreciate every last one of them. And before I forget, make sure you check out SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. Guys, check it out. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.